Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us for our the first episode, actually, of the second season of Aguilar Radio. So we're here with Yvette Young and David Adamiak from Covet Band. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And you guys can't see it, but Yvette, you, she's got a, a really amazing background. She's got a bald eagle soaring right now above her. <laughs> and and David's pretty much in like, it's it's as San Francisco, I think, as a background can get. It's yeah. so psychedelic. Got that awesome, gorgeous F bass in the back there. Love it. No pun intended. I covet that bass. Uh, <laughs> that was my only corny joke for the day. Um, but guys, again, thank you so much for joining us. And I, I want to just dive in. You know, David, let's start with you, man. What? Tell us where the origins of music and bass started for you, man. When did uh, when did you pick up that instrument and say, "Ooh, I, I've landed on something here." Uh, I picked it up. My my dad. I grew up with my dad playing guitar. Uh, around me all the time and in seventh grade when I was like 13 or something he brought his bass out of the attic it's this little uh, 66 Fender Mustang short scale and I had like it was kind of that time in middle school where everyone was like getting interested in like rock music quote unquote but it was really like my friend group was really interested in like classic rock stuff and I first heard uh, like Jack Bruce from Cream and John Entwistle from The Who and freaking I don't know I just fell in love with it like that bass solo in my generation and all the crazy live stuff that Jack Bruce would do when he's like walking on that bass. And uh, I learned a couple of like songs, like snippets of songs um, and immediately knew that I loved like the instrument specifically. Um, But I kind of like fell into a hole with it because I learned a bunch of like riffs, but I didn't learn full songs. And I also never Mm -hmm. learned how to like articulate the thoughts that were in my head. Um, since I just kind of had like my dad teach me like basic technique stuff, but not really, he didn't know any music theory or anything. And so I kind of put it down. And then a few years later in high school, I had some friends who were kind of like in a jam band and they needed a bass player and they're like, don't you play bass? And I was like, <laughs> I mean, kind of, I don't consider I feel like that's how it starts for a lot of people, right? Like, yeah, right. Do you play? Uh, Cause we need someone. Exactly. And so then that was the first time I ever played with a drummer. And then the rest is history from there. Because once I played bass with the drummer, I was hooked. Wow. And then Yvette, how about for you? I mean, I've read, you know, it's very, very personal experience for you when it comes to the guitar itself. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in the classical world. Like I was playing piano when I was four, violin when I was seven. And that was stuff that like my parents wanted me to do. And um, it was kind of like a uh, well, I, I, right now as an adult, I'm like, it's a blessing that they, they pushed me to mm. play music because, and started me that young. Like at the time I hated it. It was a lot of pressure. You know, I had to do competitions all the time and it was just like, you know, stressed me out on top of school. I was like a huge perfectionist and long story short, all that pressure made me really sick. And I ended up being in the hospital, um, you know, with an eating disorder at the time. And the one thing that kind of really did help me was uh, I, I started picking up guitar around the same time and I was writing songs just about how sad I was. Mm. Um, and yeah, I guess I, I when I got discharged from the hospital, um, I continued to play guitar. I always wanted to be in a band. I didn't really idolize like guitarists. I never thought like, oh, I want to be a virtuosic guitar player. Like mm-hmm. I, I just really just wanted to be in a band. Like I, I used to sneak out to shows all the time. When I was in high school, um, I don't know if there were very good shows, but, you know, it was, it was like, yeah, just the, the environment of being at a venue and seeing how, like, people on stage had chemistry and were playing together. I always wanted that. So mm. I, I started writing songs of my own when I was in college, and I, was, I didn't really have any band members to play with at the time. I had, like, a brief garage band in L.A. Um, those guys were great. Uh, but oh god yes <laughs> I and then I went home and uh you know I I'd always posted guitar videos on YouTube and stuff just for for fun for my reference mm-hmm. to show show my friends and um track my own personal growth and then I had no idea that you know guitar the, the videos would be spread around and I had one of them kind of um go like quote unquote viral overnight and that's just how I fell into this position I am in right now. <laughs> just mm-hmm. pure, I think. Yeah. Well, did you, I, I guess I'm curious, like 
was when 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 you you know hopped on the guitar and it became this outlet for you especially at such a difficult time did you find yourself um being able to release more from a, a melodic end uh, were you writing lyrics too were you, like how what pockets were you finding yourself uh, to express and was it all melodic so I started out writing like acoustic singer songwriter stuff with like intricate finger work for me it was like it was really fun exploring the contrast of playing a beautiful melody and juxtaposing it with maybe lyrics that weren't so mm. like happy and life and you know maybe stuff that I was feeling like just really raw stuff a lot of my early music deals with wanting to disappear or wanting to like escape mm. or play. like just the topic of escapism and mm. I feel like as I started I started playing electric guitar it's so funny like acoustic guitar inspires completely different music in me than electric guitar like when i pick up an electric guitar i tend to play like really upbeat stuff like um and i i really like instrumental things because i kind of like letting the pedals and, and now yeah i like i like mm -hmm. letting the melody for itself and letting pedals do the storytelling and the coloring um interesting where i feel like with acoustic guitar i really enjoy the timbre of acoustic and i think it goes better with my dizzy princess ass voice so uh <laughs> you know, I tend to, tend to sing more with acoustic. However, in the last record, I did sing on a couple of songs, which is new. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess I kind of have to throw the question for both of you guys. Do you, as musicians, um, you know, this contrast between acoustic and then electric and now the world of effects being into it, are you are you pulling inspiration from those textures and sounds? Or is it is it starting with a thought and then kind of just seeing where it goes? And then let me kick on some of these pedals and see where it can go. Uh, David, do you want to go first? Or? Um, when the writing process is usually like Yvette will give Forrest, uh, our drummer and myself, like nearly an entire finished song on guitar. And then we write to it. And there's certain moments in those songs where it feels like especially in the more recent music where there will be like big wide open spaces mm -hmm. so that's when i feel like i can be really creative with the sort of effects that i choose um when it comes to like making like lead sounds or um or just kind of like ambient kind of layer e kind of sounds mm -hmm. um and it, i feel like it really yeah, sometimes, I mean, sometimes there's just like, you know, when you kick on an octave pedal or something, there's just like, oh, this has to go somewhere, you know, <laughs> there's definitely like some great just basic sounds that you always want to try to incorporate into the music. Yeah. And I feel like those kind of more basic sounds like overdrives and fuzzes and octaves and stuff, I feel like they really come into the picture when we're in the room together, like playing the songs out. And mm -hmm. then hearing where like really feeling where Yvette's guitar part is arranged might make me want to kick on an octave pedal or like hearing how aggressive the drum part might make me really want to like kick on a fuzz pedal or something. So kind of so varies. Are you like when you're, when you're starting this songwriting process, do you have David and Forrest in mind or, or is the trust level there to just, I got to get this out of my head and then take it to, you know, the, the guys and see, see what else can happen. Uh, so for me, the process, um, it, it, it kind of varies I feel like back in the back in the day like maybe like before this record um when I was still getting used to playing with a band I would just write out all the melodies and then I'd choose the effects afterwards mm -hmm. um, and I'd think like okay like I didn't really think much about David and Forrest just because I was so used to writing music that sounded full on its own because I didn't have a band back in the day mm, got it um, but nowadays we've toured so many years now and we've like played together and I realized that I, I don't want to be, you know, on just uh, stepping on pe other people's toes. And I kind of think take more of an approach. I know it's funny, like given the kind of music I play, but I think in some areas less is more. Mm -hmm. um, you, you, for me, the process is sometimes I... Uh, the newer stuff I'm writing, some of the new songs that I have that I'm working on currently are actually inspired by when I plugged into a pedal. Like mm -hmm. uh, I, I did some fuzz demos and I had to write uh, just when you plug into a pedal, it just makes you play differently sometimes because the, the yeah. nature of 
listening to like the the decay of like a reverb or something or listening to how like gnarly a fuzz is and, and some of those effects don't work very well polyphonically mm-hmm. so you have to kind of play less and I feel like a lot of the effects that I ended up demoing I had to play less and but I ended up also writing melodies that I, I wouldn't normally think of just because I'm thinking about the tone I'm like oh this sounds like an evil boss villain or this sounds like <laughs> a, a grouchy swamp slug or it's, it's some weird like yeah. abstract I, for me the goal in like writing melodies or any music is like sonic storytelling like painting yeah, with yeah, yeah, yeah. um so there's songs on on the new record that I'm, I'm currently working on that definitely are inspired by a specific tone and mm-hmm. and do a, a riff demo sometimes i'm like oh i love that riff so much i can't just leave it a riff like i gotta make it a song um there's a lot of chorus uh, i feel like chorus just makes me play like cheese balls uh poppy dancey stuff which i'm really stoked for um <laughs> i'm playing with some more like edm feel songs but i want to still i want to put in the context of a live band to give it yeah. life yeah um and uh but then also there's there's songs where i'll write the entire melody and then i'll have like a specific story and um i'll write it dry and then i'll have a specific story in mind i'm like all right well what would make this sound more like like um it's underwater or it's like in a cave um mm-hmm. okay i'll a, a, a delay here in the middle section um just to help emphasize that story and i always use the analogy like sometimes melodies are like a black and white drawing and then you can choose to color in certain areas of your drawing with effects to help you tell that story and help you illustrate that picture and then with that in mind i i feel like in those areas sometimes i'm like oh david needs to play this really specific thing over here like i'm so excited i always tell david i'm like yo i can't wait for, to hear you slap on an octave pedal in this section or like i he, he there's this one song on our last record parrot um yeah. where uh i just do this like kind of ostinato-y washy thing that's like a post-rock moment for me it's very easy it's very simple and minimal but David has like kind of like a lead line there and it's and the tone he chose there ended up being my favorite tone on the entire record just because it sounds like a horn and it's so cool yeah. what he's using there well I forgot David, what you want to spell the beans <laughs> is it a pog uh, it's a uh it's a bass whammy with the octave harmony up yeah and that's going into a diamond memory lane analog delay with a bunch of modulation on it you heard yeah. it here first on Aguilar Radio. Go and a Nuniber wet. <laughs> wet reverb, as always. You know, I'm glad that you guys, it's so funny because I, I do want to dive right into Technicolor because, like I said, I got questions about this incredible album. And I feel like you guys have set the stage for things that I kind of picked up on first and storytelling. Um, I feel like Technicolor is this like, it's almost like this book of time and you guys have some literal, mo- you know, titles of songs, obviously good morning. You end with Farrell. Um, you have pre-dawn in there, but it's, I definitely sense this narrative uh, that's happening throughout the album. Was that intentional? Was, is that a reflection of, um, of that, how you were writing? Did it kind of land that way? I think I, I didn't write with any, like any sort of linear concept in mind, like, I just wrote these songs like separately also at different times in my life. I'd say half of them were old songs and half of them were like, Oh God, we have to release a record. Okay. I'm just going to like buckle down. <laughs> right. Songs. And um, a lot of the chorus ones with singing were the ones that came later. The, um, and I think the, if I, if there was one concept that I wanted the album to convey, it would be, I guess, comfort maybe like, because um, for me, songs I was writing from a place of wanting to comfort myself and get my head out of a dark place. So mm. I wanted this to, you know, that saying like "fake it to make it." Like I kind of yeah. wanted yeah. some of the more upbeat songs to be like, "All right, well, I don't feel great, but I'm just gonna write a song like farewell. I'm gonna write a song to like like a letter to myself to to comfort myself and say that like things are gonna be okay and maybe yeah. you know it'll help someone else too." So. That's that was the concept I, I probably had mostly in mind. But I remember we were discussing the album name in the studio and I was like, we have so many different like textures. Like there's like chorusy upbeat songs, but then there's the song like Nero, which is more like I guess proggy, like a little more aggressive. Uh Treyu's pretty yeah. sappy. Um good Nero's morning. Nero's gotta be my favorite. Yeah, Nero's hella fun. Uh there's uh Good Morning and Pirouette and mm-hmm. 
uh, pre-dawn and Odessa, which are kind of like more post-rock. Um, so we have like all this, all these textures. And then we're like, they're like different colors. So like mm. a rainbow, like, whoa, Technicolor. And that's how we came up with That's <laughs> awesome. I mean, because it's, I feel like there is though, and it's interesting to hear that it almost was not kind of intentional, but there is these continuity you know, between these songs, because like the, the idea that you're talking about of, um, you know, space expression, release comfort. I feel that from Odessa personally, because I just love it that it's this slow build, you know, and then this moment of pause, right. Where you kind of think, all right, this is over. And then I almost feel like, you know, it's like a thought process and then I'm like, screw it. Boom. And then just (laughs) like it drops. And I, and I love that about it. So I can definitely, I, as a listener, I can definitely understand it, what you're saying and, and how it's communicated. I guess, you know, how do you guys, because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to talk about the chops or technicality, but to me, there's something really beautiful about the way you and David dance around each other to the point that you kind of don't know what instruments which at certain moments. Uh, I feel like that even on Nero. Nero is one of my favorites. Um, I mean, I love the whole album. Let me just say that when you Aww. said farewell at the end, it was like, oh, okay, bye. You know? <laughs> but, um, but we're going to talk about it. But Nero, I feel like is one of those songs where, um, again, you guys are dancing around each other melodically. It's, it is complex, but you find the space for each other in these little pockets that I think complement. Tell us about that relationship musically. Like how, David, how do you, how do you, are you looking for pockets of space are you are you hearing what she's playing and say, hey, like my ears extending it this direction? Like what's going on in I don't even want to say that mind, but that hair of yours. We got to talk about that <laughs> for people who don't follow David. They, he has like the most luscious beard and head of hair on like the planet. It's basically bar Jesus. So <laughs> what, what is going on, bro? Uh, the beard is new. You know, that's that's. It's just it's my winter beard, you know. It's probably gonna go the way of the dodo here soon. David's um, actually hair. Like he's not a person. He's, he's not just... a person. Oh, no, I'm, okay. a collection, I'm a collection of hair. It's definitely. basically cousin it, right? Yeah, pretty much <laughs> okay. sentient, sentient follicles. <laughs> uh, yeah, going to your uh, addressing your question, you know, I think it's one of Yvette's talents when she is writing songs is that she she has very um, her ideas evoke a lot of ideas in myself. Um, mm her melodies are very expressive and they have lots of different places. I feel like they can be extend, like, um, I don't know, like emphasized or kind of reinforced in certain moments. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, Oh, what's a good example of it? I mean, yeah, there's all sorts of parts like in like a Treyu or Nero where it's like, she's playing a very explicit melody and there's like, I don't know. There's, I don't know. I I try not to analyze her music too much. I try to just Mm. listen to it and um, like hear stuff over it. Um, And there's all sorts of just like fun places for like substitutions and stuff and like putting in special color notes. She's very good at like leaving space open for that. Um, Even like, even in the notier parts, um, there's still like space for, for different like color tones and things that can be placed. Um, I totally feel that way too. Yeah. Like when I'm listening to it, it's like, you know, you could, you could hear the root, even though it's not explicit, like yeah. how things are voiced gives this space where it's like, I know where, I know what's happening here, but it's almost like, um, I don't know, like musically, I, I hate when the, when I hear the third of a chord, <laughs> like to me, like the third sometimes sticks out like a sore thumb where it's like, it's yeah. a major third. It's a minor, <laughs> but like extensions, nines, elevens, I love that because it gives this space and room. And I feel like when I listen to you guys, like, it's like, we understand, we understand where, like, where's home, but there's so much fun being able to dance around everything else that's going on that like, it's, it's very, very unique. Yeah. Speaks to the polyphony of her parts for sure. Polyphony. Wow. David's creativity too. Like I've told him, I always told him, you're like my second guitarist. Like you're kind of a player, but I really want your lines to be like a second guitar. Like I maybe I we trade off lead and rhythm kind of, but because sometimes I'm in the I'm in his frequency too. Especially when I used to mm. play seven, like I was 
down in down in base zone but um definitely i like that i love that you you notice stuff weaving in and out because that's what i want to do i want to like trade off like being in a band it's not just about me being miss guitarist lady like for me i want it to be like everyone gets their moment in the sun everyone gets to like or in the spotlight like yeah. forest this section is where i write stuff and i'm just like this is this is all him like he needs to do some kind of solo here or he, this is a chance for him to like chop up in this section and then you know with david i'm like all right yeah this is his his pedal ex- experimental pedal dl4 worship section <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so i feel like it's it's always been like yeah. let's just get off talking let's ha- let's like have an actual conversation and let's not like dominate each other you know yeah that's um, a great way of putting it conversation yeah like- that's beauty of being in a band and then it's fun live because you know we get to look at each other when we reach our, our section when it's there's a moment in our songs to Shibuya where um you know uh David and I just walk up to each other and like you know we used to play with each other's pedal boards um but also <laughs> fun intimate section we're all coming together uh I was gonna say there's this band that we all love called Town Portal yeah and I like if you want to hear yeah I feel like they do such an excellent job of of just having bass and guitar player interaction like it's just yeah their bass player is yeah the most amazing <laughs> bass player he's so good and his tones I, are yeah i gotta say though especially from the live clips of you guys you know and there's of course if you haven't seen them live just look up anything there's so much joy on stage and and it's so fun dave you make the best faces whenever it's playing because <laughs> you're like staring off but then like your eyes like say everything that you're hearing and, it, and it's it's so cool and i really mean this it's so cool to watch because it's like clearly you're listening but you're listening and then finding like the joy in what she's doing and then like vice versa and i feel like watching forrest is like the best because he has you know despite the technicalities and all that he, that guy's holding down pocket man yeah. he is making it he is making like things feel good for the rest of the band that then when he takes a solo it it's so special because it's like it's his opportunity to say but he's just enjoying holding it down and i love that that's that to me is that's like such such a ah, i don't know what's the word, what's the word it's such a mature posture to take yes know? it is sure i feel like that's like the theme of our band is yeah i guess we can get technical but that shouldn't be the highlight of it it's we just yeah. want to <laughs> melody that's not muddied up like if we were all just showing off then it would just be such a muddy mess especially because it's like the polyrhythmic nature of it and how it's like compound meter it'd just be gross yeah. to like i like the fact that um i guess like i like sneaking in odd meter stuff but making it feel and forest does a great job of this and david mm-hmm. too like my rhythm section is just like it's we can make something that's like in five and seven kind of groove like it's in four yeah totally i feel like that on nero too like again my my favorite track but like that first i guess we'll call it a bridge i'm not sure what we call it um but that first little section it's like it just it goes from you know these these beautiful intricate melodies to like kind of like a moment where you could just go and you like you almost want to like beatbox to it and it's awesome (laughs) and then i feel like david if if i'm listening to it correctly on that that first section you're you're all the way up the neck is that yeah. a, was that a trade-off moment there? Yeah. Oh, dude. Killer. Yeah. Killer, man. Yeah. It, it's it's fantastic. What so like Technicolor as a whole, what made this project unique for you guys as a band? Hmm. hmm. Yeah. You know, I can talk about the differences between this and FLRS. Um, it's so funny, David. I was like thinking about how dumb we were to come to the studio with no pedals the first time. Like, <laughs> what? what the hell were we thinking? Like, it just goes to show you, like, where you know, experience is is a thing. And we, you know, we were, we we're green at the yeah. end of the day. So we we came into the studio. I wrote the songs, and we we're just like, oh, I guess we'll just like use what's at the studio. Like, that's how studios work, right? No. So we ended up just having to like find a bunch of pedals at the studio and we decided the tones afterwards like after the melodies so we added stuff in like i was like all right let's add delay like you know and so this last record i feel like we had been touring for a while and we uh i we'd been playing with our boards forever and (laughs) i 
a lot of the songs I already like most of the tones were decided so we went in with a very clear explicit vision of what we wanted and I had the luxury of writing some of the layers beforehand like all the auxiliary stuff that comes afterwards I usually sit down and I like improvise Mm -hmm. I usually go with what I hear first because I find that that's like the most memorable thing um if I overthink it it's just less special so um I I got to go home and, and write some of those things in advance so I'd say that it was a more thought out record it was very rushed also though because it's the first yeah, time where, like we booked recording time before the oh, record yeah. was done okay. and that's like putting a fire under our ass to finish so, so I was like <laughs> all right gotta deliver these songs staple double space um to my bandmates so they have enough time to write their parts and then I didn't realize some of this stuff is pretty heady so it's like you know it was it was not enough time and we, it was a miracle that it came like we did we <laughs> David wrote some of his parts in the recording studio, which is new for us. And then I, yeah, I, so this wasn't a thing where you guys were like, you've been rehearsing it for months and then, all right, let's go in the studio and like put it to tape. Oh my God. We didn't even know what it sounded like together. Like I I was like, all right, I hope I like your part. Like, I hope, I mean, I know I will because you guys are my bandmates. I didn't mean that in a weird way, but I mean, like, I hope it's cool. Like, I hope it works. Like, you know, That's right. uncertainty, uh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We didn't even know how it's that. I, and then Pirouette was like, maybe we'll put it on the record. And then okay. I ended up like, I refused to release this song because I, I hate it. It doesn't flow. Like, I'm not confident. So mm-hmm. I was like, give me like a couple of hours. Give me an hour and I'm just going to go rewrite it. And so then wow. I like went into this cold like vocal booth and I was like all right like how do I like make this flow better how do I make this more exciting so that entire middle section the thing that kind of sounds like impressionistic almost like Debussy like I guess like that whole part that was something that I just had changed up in the studio and then Forrest had to learn it and then David poor David had to write all like had to follow those weird changes and that was the one you mapped out right yeah, pirouette's a crazy one because it's all sorts of key changes just within like the initial yeah. loop. It was a loop that Yvette wrote back in the FLRS uh, recording sessions. Okay. Or like when we were, when Forrest and I were practicing uh, to like writing stuff for the FLRS music back in 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, that came in one day and I think him and I stepped out to get a bite to eat and then we came back and she had been like sitting in the room with her loop pedal and she had this crazy loop that was really nutty and then Forrest was like oh I love this this is so crazy so he he recorded it on his phone and then fast forward a couple years later when we were going to the studio we're like oh we have other song ideas and Forrest was like hey Yvette you had this loop from like those years ago we should like make this a song and so he brought it out and then she relearned it and then we kind of (laughs) like built an initial structure to it that had kind of like the loop goes a couple times in the middle and then the loop comes back then there's like this bit at the end and like she said, when she got to the studio, the middle portion, she was like, oh, this is trash. I can't, I can't do this. <laughs> so she disappeared for a little bit. It comes gonna... back with like arguably my favorite part on the album is that little middle <laughs> section of pirouette. Cause it's just such yeah, a, yeah, it's such a special, it's such a departure from like the harmony that we've played with before in the band. Mm. And it's cool. Cause it's like, it's like the middle section of the middle song of the record. So it's like the whole, the peak of all the songs, the, when we were deciding album order, it's kind of like it starts off chill and then it kind of peaks in the center with mm-hmm. Pirouette and Aries and then it kind of goes back down yeah. towards the back half of the album. So to me, it's just kind of this cool special like it's like, oh, at the peak, it's like, whoa, this like totally new territory for us sonically. And it's cool that that just is what came out of her head in a few hours. Um, and yeah, that <laughs> song was a nightmare to, <laughs> to write to because it was. Uh, lots of crazy heady chords, and especially that middle section was really trippy. Like there's this descending uh transition lick in there before it goes back to the loop and that part was like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. oh man that twisted my brain into a pretzel but i'm (laughs) so besides well besides like the you know the songwriting part of this what for you guys personally what felt special about this album like to you as a person like did you finish it like and and walk away and say like man that was that was that kind of experience i needed that this added this to my life was it was it you was it special in that kind of manner or was it like man our first like we track uh, book studio time like what was the end like I think collectively for us it's like I really feel like it's this record is um 
the best example of us working together, I think, mm. uh, you know, cause it's like that we've been playing for a while. So yeah. when I, these songs, I, I left space for my boys and uh, I, you know, I, I think everyone has really cool moments on it. And, mm -hmm. and I really, I really look forward to the day we can play these songs live. Cause I oh feel like, yeah. I feel like we sound Okay, low key. I hope the recording studio is not listening to this, but I think we sound better. <laughs> I think more life. Like, I think it's just yeah. like there's energy that's missing from it. But you know, that's something we'll, we'll learn next time. Um, personally, for me, this album is special for me. Like, this is just for me, of course. Like, it, it doesn't really relate to, like, I guess mm -hmm. my bandmate. I, I feel proud of myself that I finished this record because I it kind of felt like at sometimes it was like against all odds because I was going through mm. something so awful during that time and I was not really you know I was barely hanging on like I didn't wow. David he was a really great friend to me at the time and like took care of me and stuff but I you know I was in not good shape to write and for me I was like I can't let people down like we booked wow. this we have so many people like you know our booking guy and our manager and the label and I was like everyone um put in work to to make to make these deadlines come true and like I have to deliver the music by this certain time even though I really just want to curl up into a ball and not play guitar so it was for special because I really learned the, the healing power of playing guitar for me like it, I, I feel like my relationship with the guitar got a lot more intimate a lot closer I, I literally wrote parachute while crying you know, wow. I was like not doing great, but you know, it really lifted me out of a funk. And I feel like temporarily it was just about like, I guess what was going on at the time didn't matter. It was just about like the melody and just about me trying to find a way to capture these melodies. And it was ultimately a really healing and transformative experience for me. And I'm really super proud of myself for delivering that music and, and yeah. I'm, all for for you know it was kind of last minute but like we all pulled through and we all finished it and i think we made something cool it's it, it's mm -hmm. never perfect but you know i i'm of course i'm speaking for myself here but i think david you're like ah oh, we're always like oh we wish you could have done this you know like yeah. there's always um, those moments yeah yeah there's always those moments i think that's just the nature of being a, a picky artist um but yeah i think i'm just proud of myself for proving that i i i I can work through adversity and I can, yeah. uh, and through teamwork, I can deliver something on time. And, and that, I don't know, boosts my self-esteem a lot. I'm like, yes, I did something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's incredible. Dave, how about you? It's, it is, I do want to touch on what she's speaking about right there. It is really a testament to her inner strength and her, uh, just her, her sheer like ability to be able to do what she did in the time span that she did with what she was going through. And it's mm. pretty remarkable to see and hear uh, the process and the results that came from it. Cause I think it's, you know, the best music that she's written mm. yet. And it's just amazing. She could be in a headspace like that and still make something so special. I think as a band, what makes Technicolor special is it's, it's the, it's the greatest amount of, it has the broadest scope and depth, I think, that our music or that any of our like collection of music, either Currents or FLRS before that, like mm. um, has showcased before. And so there's a lot there's a lot more um, there's a lot more there's a diversity of like avenues that the music goes to. Mm -hmm. And in that sense, I think it's it's just um, it's really crazy to hear like that record that it, it I remember when we first got like the mixes back, it was just like, oh, my God this exists like what the hell like i don't know it's just especially you know yvette and i have been in this band since like 2014 so it's it's just yeah, crazy to wow. hear like you know the thinking back to the initial like rehearsals for like currents and stuff and then mm -hmm. coming all the way to the other end of technicolor it's just like wow who would have ever seen that this would have been like the music that came from that um and on a personal level too, like Yvette was saying, there was some tracks where I literally wrote them in the studio, like Pirouette or Good Morning. Um, and that's super new for me. I'm the kind of person who spends like, I'm super, um, like I, I, when I'm, when I'm in the writing process, I write a bunch of different stuff and I listen to that stuff until 
I really find the exact perfect way that I want to it to be expressed. And so it was really like, uh, it was a really new experience for me to just be like, okay, this is the part pow, like right here yeah, within the course of like a couple of hours or a day. Um, and like, good morning, you know, that bass part was put together in like an hour and a half or so, just kind of like one morning after a cup of coffee. And I'm actually really proud of that song. Like I really like how that, that part came out. Um, and it was just, I don't know, for me on a personal level, it was just kind of like, wow, okay, I can do this. <laughs> you know? Gene, this is next like morning, theory. I got to have a cup of coffee and listen to it. <laughs> like, and then like swing open the blinds, just exactly hit right. it, David. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was just, it's just amazing that it exists and that it's That's awesome. as cool as it is, you know? I feel like, like you know, there's this like, you know, uh, mystic aura sometimes people have about recording uh and like oh the band's going in the studio it's this like incredible world and like studio experiences are, are amazing but you know a lot of times there's these moments of tension and and struggle and, and plowing through and then of course you know like Yvette was mentioning you know the business end of it we got to hit deadlines yeah it's not like we just have this you know we can just live here and you know have fun but I think that you know one thing that stands out to me about Technicolor and for those maybe that um, you know, are new to Covet and your music is that while there's these complexities, everything's intentional. And I feel, and I get that, you know, even just talking to you guys, it's every part, there's such a, a not just intentionality, but a considering of one another in mm -hmm. what we're writing and how we're writing. It's not just a bunch of notes. It's like, there's meaning behind this. And when we put it in there, it's, it's, it's going to feel like it's at home. Yeah. I think, um, I think I've always liked, like, okay, I've, I'm not a great jammer. I'm, like, actually so sucky at jamming. <laughs> and and part of the reason is because I get kind of, like, obsessed over, like, oh, but, like, what's, like, the best possible iteration of notes? Like, mm. I think I have trouble f flowing in the moment because I'm, like, I'm so, I, I like to compose. I like to sit there and, like, think about the placement of everything um, in relation to, like, notes in relation to each other, but also the big picture, how the song flows in general, and also how my notes relate to other people's notes. So it's like, there's just so many little considerations and and also like, oh my God, phrasing. I'm so mm. passionate about phrasing. I feel like you can choose a couple of notes, right? And, and they're, they're gonna be notes, but like the way you arrange them can say so much. Yeah, and there absolutely. can be really whack phrasing. Like I've heard solos where I'm like, it's almost <laughs> like, like rapping, like I feel like flow. Yeah. Like that's phrasing to me. Yeah, like sometimes I'm like, oh, but what if you like put a dotted note there and what if you like just went behind the beat like slightly? Like for me, it's like that, those little things I just like I love. Like it makes my heart sing thinking about it. Um I totally get that. The hip hop reference to you're spot on with that, man. Especially yeah. like old school, like big and stuff, man. The flow, uh -huh. it was rhythmic, it had bounce, it had feel to it, you know? Yeah. And it goes back to me I feel like I sing I sing a lot of my parts like that's how I write them and so because I'm using my voice I think I am thinking about flow because when you talk and when you sing you're not going to be like super quantized like perfect like there's yeah. going to be moments where it's like da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. I think that's why I like a lot of like um you know um impressionistic era music too is because it's like Ravel like um his music flows a lot like water and I've always been mm -hmm. been passionate about it. sorry I kind of got like on a tangent but oh. I was going to say, know. like, I really, I really do like the thinking, like there's different schools of music, right? Like people, some uh -huh. people love jamming. For me, I think I've always loved just considering everything and, and the satisfaction of hearing it all work together as one big unit instead of just separate disparate elements that sometimes line up. Yeah. Um, I think both are special. Jamming is special because it's like writing in the moment and I'm learning to like be more comfortable with that. But yeah, at the end of the day, I, I have so much respect for like the stuff that my bandmates write. And I, I really do want to be thoughtful about where, where I am. And mm -hmm. I want it so that like everyone shines. It's not just about like us mudding the mix up with like our yeah. masturbatory noodling, you know? <laughs> so mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I got you. Well, speaking of inspiration, David, so Yvette, you know, you've mentioned uh, impressionistic, you mentioned classical backgrounds that, that are inspiring to you, but Dave, or, and, and, to, and to Yvette, I guess as well, what are some areas outside of music that inform what you do musically, that inspire what you do musically? Hmm. I, um, 
this might be like a weird one but <laughs> i don't know i i grew up uh, football i'm just kidding <laughs> I, was gonna, yes. I was literally just gonna say that like uh, <laughs> i don't know it's this it's this like um i feel like the the amount you know like a one of my favorite players of all time is jerry rice you know and he's famous for like this crazy work ethic and for always like um for there there's a couple of things with him it's like he's always practicing you know he's always trying to be one percent better every day um and that's something that's really inspiring to me like when i'm playing when or when i'm writing it's like always trying to get something better out of myself today than i did yesterday mm -hmm. um and there's something inspiring to me about that and and also when related to jerry rice too in, in his like performance um he has this great line where he like he's like you know even like a nosebleed i think of this when i'm at a show and i'm performing for somebody it's like you know when he has this line where he's like, when I'm at the stadium and I score a touchdown, like I, I have an obligation to be on my best game every day because like people are paying like $80 for even just a nosebleed ticket. And like my dad yeah, would make yeah. like $20 in a week, like laying bricks in Mississippi. Wow. So he's like, I have an obligation to like make this the best experience for these people who have like worked so hard for their money to like pay to come see me. Hmm. So I feel like, I don't know that that certainly inspires me um yeah. on multiple levels and it is it is kind of funny like <laughs> oh, dude you and i you already know you and i are on the same page when it comes to football so yes <laughs> yeah, i, I learned i'm a redskins fan so i learned long suffering and, <laughs> and <laughs> adversity for sure <laughs> yes yes oh, but we yeah. extended heineke's contract david so there you go good for for the skins start it's a start you know <laughs> but event like where so I mean, art is also such a big component, you know, of your creative world. Tell us like about that and how that blends in with the music part of you. Yeah, I think I think a lot of the ways I think is still in terms of colors and textures. Like mm -hmm. I said earlier, I think I try to paint stuff with sound and um, I that black and white drawing analogy earlier where I color yeah. selectively color parts in to help accentuate the thing I'm trying to paint um I guess it just goes into my mission statement which is like I for me success when I write a song is when I'm able to translate the feeling or the story narrative whatever mood I have in my head yeah. and um without words like just instrumentally have someone else see that or feel that mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest compliment to me like I remember there's a song where someone's like that song made me feel really like ambivalent like it kind of put <laughs> it was like it was really joyful and like hopeful, but also yeah. like it felt like tragic at the same time. And I was just like, yes, that's like <laughs> what I wanted. Well, I wanted you get a prize. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I just want to like confuse the shit out of you. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> so, yeah I, for me, it was that was that felt so cool to me. I'm like, yes, like I was able to do that. And then like more so now because music has taken on such a special role in my life of being this like healing, meditative, therapeutic thing, mm -hmm. I think. Um, I am really fascinated with just how um, a melody can transform someone's mood. So I, yeah. I want to like, like, I just want to manipulate people's emotions. <laughs> yeah. But essentially that's, yeah, that's what I'm passionate about. I think <laughs> I'm passionate about the therapy part of it. Like I, I wanted to be an art therapist back in the day. Um, oh, I was okay. an art for a while. Like after I graduated from college, I taught art and I just, I really loved seeing, uh, I really loved helping kids find their outlet, I think, because yeah, I'm yeah. a troubled kid, the troubled homeless, you know, like I, if I didn't have art, if I didn't have music, I, I think I'd have gotten in a lot of trouble, mm. might not even be around, not to be dark, but like, you know, I, I think I really enjoy seeing someone else find find their voice in, in a medium such as music or art or dance or cooking or whatever, and then yeah. just like really run with that and, and have it as a healthy outlet. So yeah. um, that's just relating to my relationship with music in the context of like my art therapy days. That's awesome. So, I feel yeah. like that with, with your guys' music is it's part of the authenticity of it is this, you know, these contrasting elements, which to me, like in music is always special like I think about some of the you know my favorite albums and it's like yeah they they connect so much personally because it's like I have very joyous moments I have those but but man there's some days where it's just like it sucks and mm -hmm. letting both coexist uh is is beautiful and to hear music that 
connects that way. Like, that's how I feel about Technicolor as a whole. I feel like, again, I go back to Odessa. Odessa is this slow build. And but it but it leaves that beautiful pocket at the end for like, yeah, I just kind of want to just like jump and and go a little crazy. And you made space for that. You know, uh, it's such a great listening experience that that whole album, I got to say. So hats off to you guys and Forrest. Man, I wish Forrest was here because, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like, but like, yeah, I just play drums, <laughs> you know, but uh, <laughs> I want to hear his input, man. And so hopefully next time we can get him on. But guys, so uh, just kind of coming to the end here, you recently did a, your uh, your live. I mean, you guys came up with this album, first of all, in 2020. <laughs> like, let's just say that. And, you know, man, it, it dropped and you guys haven't technically been able to tour it. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know what? At the end of the nature wins. We all met our deadlines. Right. But <laughs> nature wins. Nature wrecks. <laughs> Like, who cares? We delivered it. Like, come on, COVID. We made the deadline, buddy. You should have let us tour for a little bit. We had a deal, dude. (laughs) And I personally felt like extra let down because what was it? The last NAM show, which who knows? So, is it NAM Thrax? Everyone gets sick at NAM. I don't (laughs) know. Uh, If COVID started at Anaheim, maybe it did. Um, But we went to try to see you guys. And it was one of those, I think it was at the Ibanez event. And like the oh ticket, th- the times wasn't listed right. And so we were like, oh, I think they're going on this time. Yeah, they're going. To- we texted like friends they are going. To- yeah, they're going. To- and we completely missed you guys. And so the one opportunity I had for 2020 to see Covet Bam, <laughs> I missed it's- it. Jordan, I'm I'm really glad you didn't see us at that show. I'm just going to say it. I feel like if you, that was not a good first impression. It was such a yeah. weird show. Like, Agreed. I'm so grateful for the event. So grateful for the event. Playing with Steve Vice, that's Johnny. Oh my gosh, that's yeah. Not. Paul Gilbert. Yeah. Insane. Heroes. But that was a weird show. That was so <laughs> weird. We were standing like 30 feet away from each other. Yeah. Like it was, the stage layout was like the most lonely experience of my life. And like, <laughs> it's just Nam, just Nam is not like we're all tired and like stressed out. So I, I, I selfishly hope that you can see us in like our. Our comfort zone. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I gotta say the 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 recorded show that you guys put on that you streamed not that long ago, man, fantastic. Uh, if you guys haven't seen it, it's on. Well, Odessa is on your YouTube channel, which mm-hmm. they can see that song. But um, go watch it. How how did that feel getting back in the room and playing the album? So <laughs> Dave, good. you're flaying your hands in the air. <laughs> so good so good yeah like okay we're gonna talk about miracles how we like pulled i guess the theme of covet is doing stuff like last minute (laughs) (laughs) we just pull off so we've pulled off so much crazy bullshit last minute especially in this especially 2020 i feel like 2020 it's just everything has accelerated so much that it it often becomes this last minute thing (laughs) it's like yeah okay so we've we've built a lot of structures last minute i feel like that's another theme of coming uh-huh. is like Definitely. we're really hands-on with like the visual component of our band just because it's i feel like it's just such a fun way to like promote the music like yeah. you get to come up with a visual representation of what it sounds like that's so sick and you know we is we built a house in my garage once like wow out of out of a drywall so that was crazy yeah. and in like three days and this time we built this like weird structure i remember we were on the phone with our video guy we were just gonna string up some some edison bulbs and call it a day but like <laughs> you know we were like okay this deserves to be more special than that and then um our <laughs> our video guy who admittedly is a bit of a stoner bless him he's great but he was like yo what if we like made a floating garden and i was like all right let's do it, let's do it. yeah <laughs> let's do it why and not we, <laughs> we just like are like okay if you believe we can sure so then fast forward to us david and i up at the butt crack of dawn at home depot buying uh, <laughs> what pipe called pvc oh, yeah, pipe pvc pipe yeah yeah we're like we're on such a little sleep it's such a miracle we were like strung that thing up we originally were going to hang it from the ceiling but that didn't work so we had to figure out a way to build like the structurally sound thing out of pvc pipe and hang like we went to michael's and we bought a bunch of fake plants to hang up and it was really expensive so then we just returned all the fake plants like, <laughs> so it was so like you had the cart coming in we're like nah 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 we're bringing this back <laughs> like, yeah, too much money. right 
Oh, we're, I thought we're these not were, touring. <laughs> these are real plants. My bad. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, is is crazy. Like I know you asked us about the experience of doing that live show, but the yeah. visual component of that live show, I would say, was it took up way more time than the audio. Like we didn't even really get. <laughs> one hour to get our sounds right david wow. like yeah it was like a day and a half setting up the visual that that was definitely we should have done it was three days of work jammed into two yeah so it was like yeah it was a day and a half of setting up the physical structure and making sure it didn't fall over on us and then yeah we got like 30 or 40 minutes for it was the first time yvette and i had ever used in-ear monitors yeah oh my god oh. um and we were sharing the same channel of the in-ear monitor so that was like a trip trying to get oh, wow our, both our levels like equal or find a way to work that out and then yeah we went straight into like tracking songs <laughs> it was just yeah and that was like the back half of the second day so it was like ah, oh, good thing we know this music so well Shit. i love that the diy nature so diy that shit didn't even stand up on its own until like <laughs> the way you're looking so at, at the end of the set it was just like it just like just imploded yeah, like, y'all are about to buy tickets to watch us get crushed live like it's it's honestly like it was like that energy like the thing was shaking i was like we're gonna get final destination like that yeah the theme of the show yep so oh yeah. man lots of sandbags yeah in string now i kind of like, wish there was like a behind the scenes video <laughs> that you guys are gonna release oh my god i was like david you better not hit on an octave pedal this thing could know, crumble. Right? don't die yeah don't, don't, don't you mess up the part it's okay just don't die yeah yeah the oh setup for that was was super stressful for sure it was the, the stressful to the max but oh it ended up god. looking really nice I don't well know. it was yeah. beautiful <laughs> Absolutely okay. beautiful. I think it was just so refreshing to honestly just see you guys back in the room together, playing music live, seeing again that joy that I keep referencing. Um, I, I mean, we were just loving watching it. The, the worst part was that it was on a laptop. Um, oh, but okay. man, uh, if you can figure out how to build that set for the tour, that'll be that's perfect. It's oh yeah, my beautiful. god, every night we can't <laughs> we can't even set up a projector like this. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was yeah. fantastic, guys. Yeah. All right, it was Desert Island Records. What are we? What? Uh, let's see. Give me, give me two. Doesn't have to be like the two you bring, but two Desert Island Records. Oh boy, Yvette, you go first. I feel like Yvette, Yvette <laughs> always has good answers for this sort of stuff. She's got many good Desert Island Records. One of them has to be an Olafur and Alds record just because I feel like the emotional nature of his music, like classical music is timeless. Like it just fits everything. Mm. If it's like pumping gas, it fits <laughs> through a forest. It fits, you know, getting, getting, getting your haircut. Hype. You know, I, yeah, getting your haircut. I feel like it's just, it's nice. And I feel like he has like such a cool modern take on classical music. Um, like, I guess that world neoclassical or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I think maybe the Chopin Project. I like that record. I know some okay. elite would want me crucified for saying that because they're like, oh no, he like changed Chopin, blasphemous. But you know, like let the man have his fun. Jeez. That's such um, a good record. Oh man, I was listening beautiful. to that in the van the other day. It, it's so good. It's so consistently like dynamically holds up the whole album too that's my favorite of his his new album is really good too his new albums oh salmon i would okay you know what i would have that song salmon just playing non-stop and i would be crying myself until crying, <laughs> crying myself silly until i'm so dehydrated i just die on this desert. um yeah so, so desert island single yeah desert island single, desert island single. <laughs> such gotcha. a weird flex i'm like i don't even need a record i just need one I song, need song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's I, awesome I, Dave, what about, how about you, man? Uh, you know, Desert Island record. I'm, um, Abishai Cohen's "Gently Disturbed" or "Gentle Disturbed." Oh I think. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's the first jazz album I ever got that like made jazz connect for me. Um, and it has a great like variety of like upbeat, energetic stuff and um, very like kind of downbeat, more thoughtful uh, music. So mm -hmm. I feel like. That one kind of it also just has like a lot of great nostalgic stuff for me and it's also one of those it's one of the few jazz albums where i feel like it's um it's almost written it, it very little of it feels improvised i don't know 
it just feel everything is super intentional and in the right place and it's very beautiful um and the bass playing is obviously unbelievable um and the number two no yeah pressure. i feel like yeah i bet you go with your number two real quick because i feel like I'm, my brain is spacing so i got my sad girl classical like existential crisis music album figured out i think i need some something like lift my spirits on this island so <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> i'm just kidding that's a deep cut uh Oh, geez. Maybe something like, um, hmm. There's, I feel like I have a really, oh my God, I got it. All right. Um, the Darkness, Permission to Land. I wow. Like <laughs> was not expecting that. Very event young awesome. answer. Awesome. Yes. I feel like that, that record is just banger, 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 yes. banger. Like every song is so good and it's cheesy as hell and I love it. Like yes. I love how um, his voice is nuts like we saw them yeah. live recently or not recently sorry it's 2020 <laughs> we saw them live l way back when shows were a thing and and he just was wearing this like deep v that like yeah. was dangerously close to his nutsack like it was really <laughs> it was a lot to look at and i feel like that energy is just something i need like just thinking about that <laughs> They don't care. And it's so like, they don't it's care. you can't tell if they're like a parody or if they're like, they're being for real, but they're being for real. Yeah. I think like they, they are, they're aware of how like absurd they are and they, they're just leaning into it. And, and I love that. And then the music, the messages are so positive. Like love is only a feeling, mm -hmm. you know, it's about like, yeah. It, uh, what's that? The song that they're really popular for. Um, uh, da, 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 yeah. Oh, What's that called? I'm What's that song? Up. Uh, I believe in it. Well, I believe in a thing called love. Yeah. Love is only a feeling. Those are those are too big. Hold on. Damn, you guys. These guys love writing about love, but you know, it's a universal. <laughs> it's a universal thing. So that's my. That's <laughs> yeah, love is love. Uh, yeah. You know. All I right, think... Dave. You're gonna wrap it us up. Close it out, brother. I got, yeah, I gotta. I gotta satisfy. Um, <laughs> the the heavy sludgy side of myself because i'm i'm the kind of person like i don't have a lot of upbeat like yeah kind of records like <laughs> darkness in my life i'm a very like introspective melancholic person generally so no deep v-necks for you no deep v's well no maybe for a show just Duke for shit i don't know if i want to yeah david, i don't know if i want to david i'm sorry i'm calling bullshit you wore a cardigan with no shirt <laughs> Ooh. uh yeah i mean i'll do it like i'll wear it live for a covet show no no problem you know? I, I don't know if it's um it would definitely be a fun like bullshit thing i did wear that cardigan because you can't wear a cardigan with a shirt too because then you'll just melt under the under the lights so i had to and besides i our booking agent at the time thought that i was wearing a shirt under that cardigan but i have so much chest hair that he was like oh i guess that's just your body <laughs> um I like to wear stupid shit on stage. It's very fun. Oh, <laughs> so, dude. Um, I got to say, you know, I, I need something to fill that that heavy sludgy side of my musical interests and also like one of my other favorite bass players. I got to go with uh, the album Panopticon by the band Isis, the most unfortunately named band ever. <laughs> um, they they broke up like four or five years before the islamic state was a thing just so everybody for knows clarity but, for those wondering yes yeah, for the sake of for the sake of yeah uh, really really fun thing is if you go on their facebook page and read the comments that people leave they get so much like angry hate like <laughs> it's, oh my it's goodness kind of comical anyway yeah. go on. i had a i had a sweatshirt that was like, <laughs> oh, no, sweatshirt. No. It was like a zip up and had ice like <laughs> is on either side of the zipper and i remember one time one person was like why the hell are you wearing that what's wrong with you and i was like it's a band it's a band it's also uh, an egyptian <laughs> god it's an egyptian yeah. god before anything goddess, else yeah. yeah yeah the goddess sorry my bad Jeez, <laughs> my progressed <laughs> way to go but yeah that <laughs> album is uh it's like the perfect amount of kind of sludgy metal post-rock kind of fusion for me awesome. and the bass playing is really beautiful and very inspirational for me as like a young bass player um yeah and Fantastic. i don't know it's just it's got cool concepts behind it too awesome well guys this has been this has been so much fun to kick it with you guys talk about okay. isis football we've covered, we've, covered, we've covered isis we've covered football we've covered classical music we've covered everything and yeah. this yeah, has DB. been so much fun 
So for uh, so guys, where can people uh, get? First of all, you guys have some of the coolest merch I have ever seen. That's all of it. She does. She does the art for it. Killing it, killing Thank it with you. the merch. So uh, how? Like guys, first of all, anyone listening, go to their w- w- website again. Tell them where where can they find it. We have a website, right? Yeah for for, <laughs> for the merch now uh, for for the merch it's a uh, merch now backslash covet band I believe. All right, well, there you go. We'll post a link to uh, when, we, when we go live with this so you guys can go out and support them because, man, pandemic has hit bands so hard, guys. So whoever you listen to, for people out there, go buy merch, support, buy albums, go show them love, show cover bands some love. Guys, we cannot wait for y'all to hit the stage again um, and not be crushed by PVC pipes and flowers. <laughs> um, but, man... We, we, <laughs> we can't wait and we got some so for for those that are listening david and yvette are going to be putting together a, a little demo kind of video talking about developing melodies and lines together they got some aguilar stuff so we're gonna we're gonna be able to hear them uh make some cool cool sounds i can't wait to hear that guys and uh yvette david from cover band thank you so much again for joining us on aguilar radio 